You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we are talking about the team with the longest winning streak in the Eastern Conference. Can you believe it? The Pacers have won three games in a row, and after beating Rick Carlisle's old team without Rick Carlisle, which we'll also have to talk about on Friday, Miles Turner commented on his comments he made to The Athletic last week and provided some clarity on what he meant by those comments, and they play the Warriors tonight. Lots of interesting stuff to get to today, and joining me on the other line Someone whose voice you will all know very well, former Indy Corners writer extraordinaire. We used to talk three times a week about this basketball team together, Mr. Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going, man? It's going pretty well. I mean, uh, I say when you text me to come on the show, the uh, I thought about one thing. Then there was all the news about trade this, whatnot. So I thought about another thing. And then they won three games in a row. So it's like, well, maybe you don't blow it up then. So it's been a, been a whirlwind week. I texted Adam last Monday because I knew the Colts bye week was coming up, which felt like a, an easier day to to have you come on. And and he was like, yeah, I can either do Tuesday or Sunday. And I was like, oh, well, you know, it might be easier to do Sunday. And then everything changed this week. It changed the whole show. It changed the structure of when and who and everything. But it was wild. We talked a lot about the trade stuff on the show already. And then Miles on Thursday goes on the record of saying, I don't like my role in Indiana. And that was not surprising. You know, we got a hint of it at media day when he said, you know, sometimes I wish I'd get the ball a little bit more, but whatever. And then he had the tip dunk against the Pelicans. And after that game, he said, yeah, I forgot what it felt like to dunk, which was a very offhanded comment. But in my head, I was like, hmm, he, he wishes he was around the basket more. Um, so he cl- clar- clarified those comments a little bit to us after the Mavericks game. But I'll let you talk first a little bit, Adam. Were you surprised to read what he had to say about his role and his spot on this team? Can I say I was surprised Sabonis didn't make these comments first, to be honest. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, I think we there's been like some when you call it rumors, slight like bubblings of that Sabonis doesn't want to play the four, but he wants to be a center by himself, which I think is not unreasonable. Uh I think with Turner, he's never been the kind of player who could be like the second best offensive player on a team, right? He just he's just really a lot more efficient this year, and some of that might be because he's taking less shots. Um, so I, am not surprised that one of the centers didn't speak out. I'm just, I don't know if Turner's comments, I think they're like, he, he's in this spot he is right now looking so good because he's playing at like kind of that limited role. Sure. He could probably do a little bit more. I'm not saying that he can't do like more offensively, but I'm not sure he's the kind of guy who's going to take, let's say 15 shots a game, right? He's always going to be in that probably 10 to 12 and be your defensive anchor. So not surprised, but I, I don't know if I necessarily believe everything he's saying, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of what I said Friday is like it's a happy medium of like I get why he thinks he should get a, a bigger role. And he said after the Mavs game, like every player in the league wants to take more shots like duh, we're NBA players. We like having the ball. But it's like we have seven years of we know what you are. Right. Is. Yeah. Like and I get that he's definitely getting better. Like like you said, his efficiency's up this year and there is a little bit less volume. Eight point nine shots per game is his lowest since his rookie year. But, but what he was he last year? Nine, nine, seven, right? Something like last year was nine point two, so only point okay. three shots less. But it's still a little bit less. Uh, also, though, a noted effort to get him more involved since this story came out: thirteen and eleven shots the last two games. So, you know, I get why he could feel like that. I also get why the Pacers would be like, whatever. But then his clarifying comments, I think, made a lot more sense of both being the middle ground between 
what it kind of perceived like he was saying and what the Pacers would actually want him to say because he said it was just kind of about like clarity, not necessarily, you know, he, he kind of felt like, Hey, I've been here for seven years in the last three or four years. Like I've done the exact same role and I'm getting better. I'm only 25. Like I want a promotion. I'm doing air quotes. You guys can't really see me. Um, so he's not, he said, I, he's not demanding a trade. He's not telling anyone to get out of here. He said, he's not taking a shot at anyone else. He just said he holds himself in a high regard and he wants a little bit bigger of a role. And I think that that is totally fair and makes some sense. Um, and I get why he wants some clarity because it seems like some games like early in the season, he has a 40 point game and it's all these shots. And then, Earlier this week, they played Washington again, the team he had 40 points against, and he took five shots. He took five shots in that game, right? So I get why he would say, like, look, I get that I'm helping the team win, but, like, at some point I have to help more. Like, I have to. I deserve more of a role. I've been here for so long and doing what you tell me, and I'm ready to do more. Well, it's it's kind of the flawed construction of this team to, in a whole, right? They're, they have kind yes. of – so we haven't even seen Warren yet, and, like, so he's their probably best offensive player when he comes back so like all of these contributions is just like going to go down even more once he once he returns if he comes back and that's we can do all that the whole caveating him and whatnot but the the team is designed in a way where he has to be basically the what we call fourth fifth fifth option uh he there's two centers like it, it he's not gonna get the consistent like i mean the biggest problem with him probably and you could see it over the last even though it's, i think going back to mcmillan even it's like he would play four quarters and sometimes he wouldn't and you never knew when he was or wasn't and they do this like weird thing where they throw him in like cold in the last minute to play defense, and that never really worked out. So I, you know, this is like I get why he won a consistent role. The team isn't really winning right now, so it, it all makes sense. I just I don't think his problems. I think his problems more have to do with the core of the way the team was structured than like him individually. And like it's just it's just a weird roster, to be honest. This year, early in the season, was really perplexing. Like he he what, he scored forty against the Wizards, and then against the Heat the next night, the literal next day, he played sixteen minutes. Like I'm sure he's like, what? You know, I just I scored forty points last night, right? Like that kind of stuff has to be so confusing. And I think that like when I see that, I get why he's like, I just want clarity sometimes. Like not even necessarily, I want the ball like every possession. Or and he said, you know, stop pitting me and Sabonis against each other. Like this is not a shot at anyone. It's just like. How can this be my role? It, How is there not like every game I know I'm getting eight minutes with the bench where I am the center who's making stuff happen or like I know I can be assertive in those minutes because I'm the like you said, they do have a confusing team construction with a lot of balance. But how is there not 10 minutes a game where I am the first or second best offensive player in the lineup where I know I'm going to be able to get some shots up in that group like and and his minutes have been a little more consistent recently but like that. He played 19 minutes against Charlotte, 25 against New Orleans, 25 against Chicago. That's a three-game stretch where he's playing barely over or under half the game in all those games, 22 against Milwaukee. Like this week he played a bunch, and I think they're realizing that they kind of jerked him around a little bit. But I get that. This makes more sense to me, him saying clarity, and I feel like I deserve a promotion-esque thing of roles instead of just like I'm a glorified role player. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. But I think now his comments make way more sense to me because of that. Yeah, isn't that though the 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 kind of they – want to have both centers, but they also kind of don't want to play both centers. Like it's been this like <laughs> constant thing for three years of like, well, we want to see if the Sabonis pairing works, but also when we play them separately, one year Sabonis is better by himself. The next year Turner is better well, by himself. And this so they, year is the worst one where they're, it's negative with both centers individually, but a huge plus when they play together. That might be a minutes thing, right? That might just yeah. be the fact they haven't played enough of the, the right, like big minutes with each other. Like it's, it's just like this consistent theme of like, they have two centers you really can't play two centers. I get why they haven't made a trade. They tried to make a trade. I mean, they they the Hayward one was sitting there, and they tried to, and they 
gave it their effort. But at this point, it's like you just got to pick one. I mean, we we, we knew at some point was going to come to this. We kind of, I think, I you know, before they're probably in denial, like, oh, they can maybe make it work another year. But I think you're reaching the, the point where if they don't start, turn, I mean, they turn on a little bit this week, so maybe they will settle out. But if they don't end up, let's say, at like 500 by game 41, they probably have to think about just moving one just for the sake of like getting one of them a consistent run else half of the year and into next year. Yeah, they're they're plus 116 this season with both on the court at the same What's time. What's the minutes on that though? I don't. I have to keep in this. A little under 500, 482. Okay, so that's like not, not a bad sample. It's still small, too small of a size, but yeah, it depends lot. who they're against too, right? I don't. I, they, I feel yeah. like they're not playing a ton of like closing minutes together all the time. Like, there's a lot of weird right. stuff happening with the with the with the two of them together. I share your thoughts 100 percent though. Like if obviously this week is what it is, and if this keeps going, you'll forget sure. about the off court stuff at some point, but. Like if they if they can't really turn it around, and we talked about this before the season, before the rebuild rumor came out, before Turner made these comments, like Turner has two years left, and it'll be one and a half left at the trade deadline. Like that's the last time his value will be what it is before he becomes an expiring contract, and that value substantially changes or is altered in the eyes of other teams. So even before they started nine and sixteen and had I don't even know what to call this rufflings. Um, yeah. Rough patch. Words spoken internally, meetings spoken with the word trade spoken. Like before that, it made sense to deal him. So now it makes even more sense that someone in the front court will get moved. And history suggests the one that's been in trade talks every season of his career would be that guy. But, you know, it's just very odd that this is all coming out right when they're being good. But it also makes sense why everybody feels this way. So I can't fault anyone for feeling the way they feel. I also don't know what they really do at this time. I feel like the model in it is last year's Raptors team, right? That team basically years ago, or right? No, the uh, no last year's team, right? The team that last year where they kind of were trying to be good all year, and then they just went on a tailspin the last end of the month. Oh yeah, yeah, Tampa, yeah. And they got they didn't got because the lottery odds got flattened, right? So like they were competitive for probably two thirds of the year, right? They were. I mean, there's one point Raptors were like I think the six or seven, and then they just kind of fell off, right? That was like the model, right? Where you kind of give it a go for 55 games. Then you kind of realize you're not going to go anywhere. You kind of semi-tank for the rest of the year, get get a better odds. Maybe you jump to number the fourth pick like the Raptors did because the odds are so flat. And then you come back this year and you're back being competitive again, right? That sort of feels like what this season's going to be. But uh, you have to make a trade to do that because I think if you keep everybody, you're going to feel too much of a need to try to make the, the playing game where if you kind of move one of Karras or one of the centers, you kind of feel like, oh, we can quote maybe – just ease Warren back at him kind of back this year and build towards the next season. <laughs> yeah, that will be the the never-ending goal, and we'll see if, <laughs> if they rebuild or retool, depending retool. on what I call that retooling. They're not going to go in the yeah. tank. It would just be a one-year retool. I, I've suggested that's what they'll do anyway. Like, I think that even given the history of the Pacers, like, we kind of know rebuild's not going to happen. So that's what I think will ultimately end up something – in that realm will go on. The last interesting thing about these Turner comments is every other player not named Turner. So bonus took the stand. Lloyd Pierce took the stand and Laverne took the stand. First of all, I asked Lloyd Pierce about the comments and he said, what comments? And I thought for a second, I was going to have to explain it. He, and then he said he was kidding. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's your first game being the head coach. and You're already dunking on me in media session. But they all kind of said the same thing of like, we get it. We have to get him more involved. And so in my head, it's like, how do other players also feel this way? And not, you know, it seems like it should be obvious for them to know what to do. And, Turner talked about it being more assertive. Like, what what do they do? Do they just get him the ball like two extra yeah, times? Do you like call out of plays right now? It, it's hard to. The team is like not designed to do that. Like, there are too many 
good enough players that it's like hard to just like say we're gonna take I don't know what what's Sabonis's shots at right now right Sabonis is at fourteen ish fifteen ish uh, actually is that it looks like he's at twelve am I on the wrong year am I no I'm on the right he's at twelve be. a game but it's been up recently right right Brogdon's at sixteen right so do you take three shots from Brogdon and give him to Turner like I you know it's a flow of a game and the ball's in Brogdon's hands more so he takes more shots like I don't just right. don't know how you. I don't know what you do. Like, I don't know how you actually do it except like to play Turner by himself more. So then you're playing Sabonis less. Like that's maybe the only option. Then you're going to make Sabonis mad. So it's like, that's why you just got to pick one at some point. And a couple things he called out when he talked about being more assertive was he had, a, he said he had one post up and he mentioned that by, by name. And I was like, that that's it. Like you just want one or two post ups. Like they can make that happen. He's not, he's not good at them, but he's not like, it's not like embarrassing or like no chance of scoring kind of possessions. And he said he set a few more screens. Like, okay, yeah, we that, that seems that we can do that. That makes sense. You know, that, that kind of stuff seems easy. The the problem is, is right, is Sabonis is the better screener, so you put him in the ball way better the actions more, right? Way better. Like, like that's the thing. Like I said, it's it's the two center thing where like if you're gonna tell me, oh, well, who's gonna be the screen and roll, or screen and pop man, it's gonna be Sabonis because Sabonis is the better one. Now, I guess they could do some uh those old Darren Collison plays, right? The, the the kind of pick and pop with Turner. That used to be a thing that you got a lot. They don't see any of that anymore. Yep. I don't I mean, you would think with Turner three point percentage now, maybe you could see some more of that because I think his turn got so low it's like you don't want to do that's not an efficient shot. So but just like Sabonis is the better sort of like put him in every screen, every pick, every movement kind of player than Turner. So I don't I don't really know, except maybe just you just give the ball to turn on the top of the key to make a play through three more times. But that also feels like that's just gonna not go well. Three Turner Sabonis pick and rolls every game. That's the solution. How does that does that work? <laughs> does that work? I guess, I mean, like no, no, I'm just messing. I, mean, I what is? I have not looked at like uh, if you were designing a Turner Sabonis pick and roll, who would you want to have the ball? I think Sabonis, right? I think <laughs> I don't right. know. <laughs> most turners have been better this year right he's not been like he was like a four game last year and now closer to yeah. three but uh I don't, I don't i don't know i think he wants to bonus the ball but i can't really like you know really it's a really tough play really it really an inefficient play that i'm not looking forward to running just because i want to make my two centers happy while i'm 12 and 16 hey guys quick little break to talk to you about the good folks over at direct tv stream because does this sound familiar if you're like me it does you've got one device to catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You watch the sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, login for the good stuff in the streaming platforms. I want to tell you about a simpler way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part: no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and confusion. Get your TV together. With DirecTV Stream, you can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. In terms of actual serious basketball stuff, the Pacers have won three in a row. Can you believe it? For the first time ever, a team that has aspirations to be a top six seed in the East has won three games in a row. It took them a third of the season, but they actually did it for once. So they did it. They are playing better this week. This comes right after losing four in a row to teams that they, they should be beating. They've got Golden State coming up, and if Curry doesn't play, maybe they can extend it to four, which would be huge. And then, unfortunately, Milwaukee, who they will never, ever beat as long as Giannis is on that team. But they are playing better right now. I think this is close to the best they've ever played this season. In fact, it probably is. And I have my own opinions, but I'll go to you first. What do you kind of feel like they're doing better now than they were even just last week when they lost four in a row or just all season in general? I mean, it has to be Sabonis, right? It just feels like he's been a – he just had that a better week. One. I mean, it's – I'm, I'm going to read a stat line when I, I can load fast enough on this computer half the time. Um, he just he just, he just just had a better week than he's had 
really all season, right? He's been sort of like the Sabonis of old, right? He's had basically a 73%, 88%, and 70% shooting games. Like when we used to say in the past, that Sabonis was like 8 of 10 or 12 of 15, you're pretty much going to win that game. Just because when he's that efficient, it's like really hard to stop this team because he is sort of the like, he's not the focal point of the offense, but he sort of is like the sub point where if he is flowing and that means he's scoring well and he's setting the picks well, things just function better when he's out there versus when when he's not basically. Yeah, that's what I talked about with a couple guests this season and even last week with Derek Schultz is like, it seems so obvious, but like, how is he not involved a little more? It seems like a lot of times they're struggling. It's just like guard to guard to guard and they're swinging around the perimeter and they're not going inside. They're not getting him the ball at all. He's not screening for anyone. Then they go on an eight minute stretch where they look horrible and then they lose. And it, it, it seems so obvious to get him involved. And then this week he has a 15 shot game. Shouldn't sound like much, but the last time he had a 15 shot game before this week at him was their previous win before this against the Raptors before their four game losing streak. The last time he had 15 shots before that was 11 days prior, right? Like, and 15 is a lot. And I don't, I think they're better with balance than with one guy shooting a lot, but like he didn't get the ball enough for a while. It was very obvious that he wasn't close to the ball or involved in the actions enough. Lo and behold, they're like, Oh yeah, he's our best player. And all of a sudden they went three games in a row. And so I think that focal point, which seemed a little obvious, it was surprising how little they were going to him has been a big part of it for their offensive growth because I mean, there's a reason he has been a two-time All-Star. Like, I get that maybe they go to him a little too much with Bjorkren, like almost 100 touches a game was insane, but they were down like near 70 this year. And so finding that balance has been very crucial for everybody. Yeah, I mean, that was, I think, the key to their success two seasons ago now, right, 1920, was the fact that Sabonis was like not just, like he was in every good lineup they had. He was like out there and he was the guy who was kind of making it all run, right? He was kind of like, would you call it like a Thaddeus Young role in almost in a way like right where he was sort of was like it wasn't necessarily like all the offense but it was doing all the like the kind of like minor plays correctly constantly right yeah. whether it was a screen whether it was an extra pass whether it was the switch that kind of needed to work like he just was doing all the little things that kind of kept the offense flowing and made it really efficient so that yeah I mean I think he's been kind of struggling he struggled the last two years last year because he probably got too much thrown on him and then this year it just like hasn't gotten enough and it's like they're finally finding the balance, it feels like, the last couple of games at least. But we'll see if that actually holds. Sabonis last 12 games to six free throw attempts for game. Something we've been clamoring for him to get up is getting to the line a little bit more. And the difference being that he probably deserves a few more. He's got scratches on his arms every game now where he's like, this is where they fouled me. Right here where this big bloody line on my arm is. But he's been getting to the line a little bit more as they get him the ball in advantageous positions. And I think that they're figuring out, and Carlisle specifically is figuring out, the best way to use him. Carlisle's never really had a guy who like his best, the best way to use him is like the fulcrum style, like Luca and Dirk with the ball where like they're creating a shot for themselves or a Sabonis can do that, but not, not that Carlisle's never seen the player like this before, but it's a little different considering the rosters he's had in the past. I think they're figuring out right now what his best role is in usage is something else that's been big for them this week is their defense has looked so much better, so much better holding the Mavs under 100. The Wizards, I think, scored 100 exactly. Uh, the Knicks did not score 102. 110. Uh, oh, 110 for the Wizards. I Knicks. thought it was 106-100, not 116, 110. Whatever. Was, Defense uh, has been be, a lot might better. might have been some garbage time points. So they were up so big, right, that ended up kind of catching yeah. back. Oh, it was a ton. Yeah. yeah. And a, and so one player I'm going to name specifically for defense. I literally cannot believe the sentence I'm about to say to you. You know who's played good defense this week? Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert is playing good defense. He even said that Carlisle challenged him. I don't remember exactly what game it was after to to step up on defense, play with some more force on that end, get in guys' faces, and then 
he was psyched himself. He talked about after the game about when he matched up with Beal, right? He said it's more easy to get into the matchups when you're guarding someone that good because you're really focused on your defense and stuff. And even since that game, Karis LeVert's playing really good defense. This team's really struggled at the point of attack for this season and the last umtillion seasons, really. So him playing good defense has been big because Brogdon's always a mostly reliable defender, right? They're getting enough from other guys at times to have LeVert step into that mold. Basically, Lamb's been the only rough defender they've had to play recently. And lo and behold, their defense looks good and they're getting some wins. Yeah. Karis' thing, we still, I guess... I'm kind of su- like surprised the player he becomes, right? So like I think when we when the Pacers traded for him, you kind of thought was he going to be like the Oladipo role, right? And he's just not quite that like quick Oladipo player. Um, but what surprised me was just like kind of how offense centric he was. Kind of like last season, especially, I felt like he was sort of just like really worried, not but like just always like twenty wanting to get his twenty five points. And so I wonder if they would kind of do the Warren thing, right? Warren had a similar kind of um, reputation when he came to the Pacers, right? It was somebody who like. He got traded for nothing because he couldn't play defense or wouldn't play defense in Phoenix and was all about points. And Warren became like, what do you want to say, an above average defender by you know the end of like two seasons ago, I guess, when he last played a game. It's been so so freaking long. He had um, the benefit of Dan Burke. Totally. That I mean, that's Karras true. Does not I, have. <laughs> I did forget about the Dan Burke, but I did I did wonder if they could kind of get that with Karras. And the beginning of the season, you didn't really see it, but you're starting to see it with him. It's it's just can he be like an okay defender? Because he right. he's got because he's got the offense. He's gonna have to carry some offensive load because he's that kind of player. But can he just not be like a negative defensively? I'm not sure he was like a super negative, but he just wasn't like, like half time wasn't trying. It felt like at least now when he put some effort in and with his size should be able to at least be like hold guys in front. I thought he was a better defender than this in Brooklyn before he came here. Then he yeah, I don't know what about his Brooklyn days. I, I don't remember as much about them. Yeah, so I, you know, it's been a little surprising to me how rough his defense has been. And this season for him has just been a nightmare in general. Basically, yeah. since you, you get traded and figure out you have cancer, like you get a pass for a while. Back and back pain, like, yeah, yeah I, I get it. But at the same time, you got to be better for a team that really bet a lot of chips on you. And this week he has, even on offense, he's been playing better too. But his defense has been a huge part of them. Being better on that end of the floor. Like Turner's been a good defender this year. Sabonis isn't asked to run around like a maniac as much on defense this year. Like we know they're taking steps forward on defense. They're top 12 now, I think. Lloyd Pierce has done a good job on that end of the floor, but they haven't quite gotten, especially from the two guard in general with Lavert and Lamb, have not gotten the defense they need. And to finally have Lavert step up has been really huge for them on that. And, and yeah, he's shot uh, four games in a row, 48% or better, which for him has been a very big struggle this season. So that's been a nice boon as well. What do you what do you make of o, O'Shea finally getting some minutes? I mean, it's been About I guess time. he's finally, finally getting it right. And that I know he didn't play great what against the Knicks this week, but um, in terms of offensively at least. But I feel like that has to do something with their defense being better. He's just like I, I don't know. He's he, he feels like he just got to add something in a way that they didn't really have from like kind of the bench four or five spot. It's funny because we both were like, yeah, we think he'll be in the rotation. We penciled him yeah. in, but we also both were like, you didn't really. I did. Um, but yeah, we were no, also no, I, I just, then he just didn't play. Like, I don't really know what happened to be honest. Yeah. We were also both like, somebody. Oh, but there's, there's so many guys that something surprising is going to happen. And he was the surprise, but I think they kind of figured out like, Oh, <laughs> he's our best backup forward. We should probably play him. Yeah, he's high energy too. He's like, yeah, kind of, I mean, he's got that kind of like he's making right. He's the lowest paid player on the team. So he's kind of got that like fight in him that maybe other players don't have. Like there's just, there's just something. I mean, he, he, was never going to shoot like he shot last year, but he did show enough flashes. And like he had a, you know, in two of the wins, like he was pretty solid for them. I thought was kind of a, at least a big piece of what was it, the Wizards game? He had a really nice game, right? 
he's over 40 percent from three again maybe he is shooting like last year all right so. he's played like what, actually like really seven games this year he's yeah. played seven games of 20 more minutes let's give it a little little bit of time yeah. yeah so the the energy thing scott's been all over that with the questions in postgame scott agnes is like since McConnell went down on December 1st with O'Shea on the court, they're plus 21, which is a big deal because he's now their energy guy with the second unit, right? That They relied on TJ a lot for that, and they're getting it from O'Shea now, which is big. And it, like, yeah, like you said, it helps. He's actually making threes, but he's also a good defender. We know that. He's gotten some huge offensive rebounds this week, too. So his insertion to the rotation has also, I think, been a big factor in their turnaround. Yeah, I'm... I guess we didn't talk about McConnell at all. I mean, I know you probably did it last week, and it's sort of now it's been like what two weeks since he got hurt. I mean, that's. Do you think that at all factored into some of this? Like last week, like I know McConnell's no. not like the most important piece of the team, but he is a pretty like kind of integral piece of their like next three years. It seems like the only way I would say it factors in is that in this week that they've been playing well, Brad Wanamaker has not been buns like he was at the beginning of the season. Like he's actually been okay, right? And that's all they need him to be is like fine. And he was not fine early in the season when they played him, but now he's been fine, which is a low bar, but it's all they need, basically. Yeah, well, that so we, we were talking about that point guard spot right all offseason, so finally came back to bite him. I mean, we, we knew we, yes. probably, we assumed it would eventually, but really did. Yeah, when you trade Sumner and Aaron Holiday, and they, they had good reason to do both of those things, but yeah. you know, you, you lose a lot of depth there. And you know, with Lamb still really struggling on defense and Levert struggling on defense all season, like they just they haven't had the depth and Wanamaker – being just just replacement level, right? Like, that's it. He was bad at the beginning of the season. has been huge for them. The last point I wanted to make, I can't believe I'm making this point. You know what I think helped them a little bit? Less three-pointers, fewer threes. 23 against the Wizards, 27 against the Knicks, 36 against Dallas was kind of a lot. They, they have refocused on getting to the paint more, and I think that has helped them in a lot of ways. Their threes are more open. They've shot league average or better in the last three games. Their shots around the rim are open. They've scored, I think, 60 or more points in the paint in all three of their last three games. Let me check the Mavs game. Um, and it, it, it's helping their offense look more like the, the way that the, the Pacers players' strength should work, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like each year, maybe it took longer than normal, but like they come out with some lofty, like we're gonna do this different, whether it's three point shooting or run fifty faster. points per minute against the Mavs, excuse me, still or whatever. And then they sort of eventually figure out that their best spot is like not doing that crazy thing they <laughs> have to do the beginning of the year, right? Not run fast, not take ten million threes. It's some, it's more than the year before, but it's somewhere a little bit less because whether it's help their defense or help their offensive efficiency, there's a middle ground they have to find because the the players are not really changing that much, right? Like the players they've had the same players now. Except for the Karis, basically the same ones for three years now, right? So the things that worked three years ago are what's probably going to work. Maybe you could be a little more efficient, but like, yeah, that they're, they're it seems like they have finally are starting to figure out that like where's the sweet spot in terms of like where they should be in three point shots, which is because they don't have like a ton of like they don't have the McDermott's anymore. They don't have like these like knockdown forty plus. They have good three point shooters, but not great, and they have guys who can create a little more, you know, around the rim, right? Who can create their own shot. When at least, you know, so they should try that a little more, like try to run right in the post a little bit more, do basically Sabonis and Brogdon a little more. Brogdon and Duarte were a combined two for 14 from deep against the Mavs, and they still shot 36%, right? They they got the right guys, the right shots that game outside of those two, which is really important. Like a lot of times I talked about last week, it seems like they have a possession where they work so hard, 18 seconds of intricate action and dribbling and, and driving, and then they get a kick out wide open three for Torrey Craig? 
it's like that is that what you wanted you worked that hard for and or Sabonis from the top of the key like it's an open shot but it's not that great they've been a lot better at that balance this week I think that's a big part of yeah. their offense looking a little more potent and capable recently the, the Mavs game was all defense though I mean with the Mavs shot like all defense oh from something from three basically I mean the Mavs like <laughs> they were four for 29 from deep yeah that's they, horrible yeah that I mean so horrible. like that I mean that's a combination of defense and I guess some luck I mean that's Three yes, points kind of a luck thing. So they got to that. But, like, that's a one that game. They, the Pacers could have shot, like, even – I mean, they did shoot pretty bad. They could have shot even worse than would have still won that game just because they're – the Mavs either couldn't hit or their defense was doing a good job kind of forcing them into bad shots. One more break to talk about two other awesome groups of people. First up, the good folks over at Bill Bar because grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar this holiday season or even better – the best candy bars that are 100% covered in chocolate. That's Built Bar that's filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, and covered in chocolate. And they're low in calories and sugar and net carbs and fat and high in protein. They're the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. They have so many flavors. My favorite is a peanut butter brownie, but there's so many good ones. They give you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Everyone is so passionate about their favorite flavor. Me and my girlfriend disagree, but peanut butter brownie is the best. You got to have some this year. You got to try them around the holidays. They're so delicious. You'll love them. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 when you're checking out. You'll get 15% off your order of Built Bars. That promo code, again, is LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Let's also talk about the good folks over at betonline.ag who have you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code Locked On, all one word, to receive that bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Speaking of threes, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors, the Pacers' opponent tonight. Should be a very exciting game, uh, except. Steph Curry might not play, and then it's he's definitely very much not playing. Game. I don't know what you're reading, but he's not going to play. There's no way. Yeah, I I don't want to say any absolutes because I don't know, but I yeah. very much doubt it. I yeah, would it say. seems like they wanted to break the record in in uh, Madison Square Garden. It seems like he is. I don't know how many threes away he is now. He hit three against the Sixers on Saturday. Wasn't he ten uh, three, away going into that game? Yeah, I think he's six away now. Okay. Uh, I don't remember, but. Um, yeah, the reasoning for those unaware, Steph Curry is very close to the three-point record. Um, and they had Philly in Philly on Saturday, Pacers Monday tonight, and then Knicks tomorrow for TNT Tuesday. Um, and so three and four nights on the road. Like, if he wasn't close to the record and, he, and they rested him, like, it would suck for indie fans. It sucks either way. And I'm very sympathetic to that if you want to watch Steph Curry. But the league would just go, okay – Whatever. Because he's so close to the record, it sucks doubly. But I, I think that they actually have good enough rest reasoning to do it, which which really sucks for Pacers fans. It would have been so cool to see him try to do it. Just play him the first half. Like, let him hit five in the first half and then no, just sit him. Weird. You don't do that. Like, this is not like football in a, but in I a want to watch week 17 play, game. <laughs> I know you want to see it, but it's not like week 17 of an NFL game where, like, no the teams in the playoffs aren't trying. Like, you play him the half, you got to play him the full game. Like, it's just going to – it's weird. Like have him run around a bunch and never passing the ball just for the just to try it. I want to see what happens. I would say I feel like Steph hasn't played in Indian at least three or four times the past five years. I went to a game like 17, 18, I think was the year, maybe 16, 17. And like he was supposed to play and then he got scratched right before the game. So I don't, I don't know. It's like it, didn't they shoot the whole big three against the Pacers one year? Yeah. Well, one year 
And then one year Steph scored like 50. Remember, was that the one of the last Roy Hibbert years? Remember, right? Where he got in a fight with David Lee? I don't or remember. Thinking, that might be Priest, like before the Warriors. He played in Indy last year. No fans. Doesn't count. Doesn't uh, count. <laughs> right. Like, I definitely recall him not not playing in Indy. I remember him not playing because I was disappointed because he's the, I mean, it was when he was at the height of his, you know, most, you know, interesting player in the league to watch by far. Like, two yeah. years ago, COVID canceled the Warriors game in Indy. Wow. Well, this is kind of wild. So he hasn't. He hasn't played in front of fans at Indy for a very long time. Yeah, he missed. I think he missed 16, 17 is the game I went to that yeah. season. So but. might miss another one, uh, unfortunate for fans. Anyway, the Warriors are not a joke without him. Um, Jordan Poole has been awesome this season, very awesome, 18 points a game. Wiggins has been pretty good. He's hitting a lot of threes. The problem with assessing these players now the Patriots can play tonight is they usually have Steph Curry's gravity to help them have a much easier time doing everything. And that might not be the case uh, in this game. So I don't really know how to feel about them. They like to take a lot of threes. Their defense is still very solid. Um, they are actually first in defensive rating this year. So they're obviously awesome. They're 21-5 and five for a reason. But without Steph, it's a lot harder to assess how good they are. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to, like, how many points is Wiggins and Jordan Poole score, right? I mean, that's – it's it's not like even, like, when they used to not have Steph but play Clay, right? That was like, even knew Clay Johnson's going to kill you, but – <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't know what this. I mean, the Warriors seem really good, but they almost seem like um like that kind of like a like a house of cards, right? Where if you just pull Steph out, the whole thing collapses, right? Because they don't they don't seem like they have a ton behind him. It seems like it's he's what makes everything go and just going really really well. But I guess we'll kind of actually see for once. I think they they will um be more than a house of cards. Like Wiseman's fully practicing now. He should return probably in their next home. Well, go ahead. Doesn't it feel like his is the offense that keeps everything else in the offense going? Like oh, 100%, 100%. It, right? So it kind of, I don't know. It's it's weird. But like Clay will help a lot, right? I, yeah, I well, yeah, think. He, yeah. And Wiseman will help a little because they don't have any vertical threats. Like as good as Kevon Looney is, he can't jump. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's unfortunate for them. So they'll be more than House of Cards. They currently are, I agree. But it, I mean, he's probably that. Is he your MVP leader, Steph, right now? I mean, yeah, he, he has, has to be, right? The team yeah. is 22 and five. I mean, I guess the less you. There's no one on the Suns, right? Really? I mean, maybe Giannis Chris is eventually. Paul's been really good, and Giannis and Jokic have been good, but those teams aren't as good as the Warriors. Yeah, obviously. I mean, the, the Bucks though, probably could end up, I'm assuming, the one seed in the East when it all shakes out. Yeah, that could they be finish enough. one, Giannis is a lock, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. If the Warriors finish one, probably Steph's a lock that's, for it. <laughs> that's right? a fun I mean, race. It, uh, the problem is it's hard in the West to be the one. Like, I think it's going to be hard to be the one yeah. seed in the West, and it will be in the East. Um, right. But, yeah, he's been, I mean – I was. I'm honestly didn't think. I don't know. Did we pick him as MVP in our preseason? I don't. I don't remember. What we were talking uh, about. Let me look. Uh, we both picked Giannis. Okay. I think we're both smart for that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, either. Well, I mean, they're both. Good. I'm fine to be wrong in that way. So yeah, I mean, a lot yeah. of this game is going to be. Let's go back to Lovard's defense. Like him and Brogdon doing well on pool. They'll have nothing to create. Like Wiggins can kind of score off the dribble, but the reason he's more efficient now is because other guys are creating for him. We saw in Minnesota that he he can do it, but not that well. And Draymond is a great passer, but it relies a lot on, you know, Curry's excellence to be a seven assists a game guy. So they, they have good players like Otto Porter can shoot and Toscano Anderson's really found a role with them. And Gary Payton's defense has been awesome. Like there are ways that they can be really good on D and maybe that leads to good transition offense or something. But I don't know how, if, especially if Poole's really shut down, he's not even that good of a passer. The Warriors can score that much without Steph. Yeah, it it might also come into the Pacers if they just don't play well and lose this game, right? Like, uh, like they you know they have a bad offensive game again. That's when they could lose it. But it feels like it should be one of those games where like 
normally you would lose, but you get the gift of the injury and you should be able to pull it out. But last year they had all they had problems all the time with that, right? Like there was a game last year where like I think both Kyrie and Durant missed and they still lost to the Nets. So I mean they, I mean granted Harden's pretty good, but um they just Are you ready for the numbers? Yeah, go for stuff. it. Go they for played it. one game without Steph this year. Okay. They played the Pistons. So oh, maybe real, not the best team to pick for this. Yeah, but real great. they won by three. They beat the lowly Detroit Pistons by three. Poole had 32. 32. He was 13 for 22 shooting. Wiggins had 27 on 9 of 19 shooting. They needed all that to scrape by the Pistons. Gary Payton was 4 for 5. Bialica was 5 for 8 and had 14 points. Like It just takes slowing down one of Poole and Wiggins. I don't even know if the Warriors can break 100 if you do that because they're so limited on creation without Steph. Feel like you barely beat you're, the Pistons. You're we'll jinxing this so hard right now. Like You're just waiting for Tuesday to come, and it's like Pacers lose 110-105 because – Andrew Wiggins scores 48 points, shoots 14 of 17, and makes eight threes. Yeah. Something stupid. If Steph does play, let's just let's do a one sentence on it, just in case he does play. I don't expect it. If Steph does play, you just throw Duarte on him and have him chase him around the whole game, basically? Yeah, I guess. I mean, you do the, you do the, kind of, you do the thing where you let Steph beat you and nobody else, right? That's yeah. Kind of, yeah. That's well, it hasn't worked for anyone else this year. No, but I mean, you might, I mean, that might be the best option, frankly. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I think if Steph does not play, the Pacers will get get to four wins in a row, especially because the looniless minutes Sabonis will just destroy the Warriors. And if Steph does play, they can still win, but I don't think that they will. He's been that good, so we'll see. Uh, but all signs, including Steph Curry saying. We'll discuss this as a team when asked if he's going to play against Indiana. Suggests that he will not be playing. So I'll pick a Pacers four-game winning streak to talk about for you guys tomorrow. Yeah, you think uh, the, how much conversation will there be around a trade, right? The Warriors are probably the likely trade team, right? I know, they are. How many questions likely. are going to be asked at the media sessions about that? Yeah, well, I don't um, – I'm guessing the questions will be like this. Okay. Hey, Steve Kerr, what do you think of uh, DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner? Or something like that, where every media person in the room can be like, oh, I can use that, but no one will like, you know what I mean? I guess there's no, there's no Car- uh, Rick, so they'll, they won't be able to ask. I guess they asked Pierce the yeah, question. About, actually, like, do you like Wiseman? Do you like Jordan Poole? What do you, what, what do you think of those guys? Kaminga, right. what do you think? We're 36 minutes in. Uh, I don't know if Rick's going to coach. I, I should have probably brought I that up earlier. He's out I don't think he will. I bet he's days, out. Right? PCR positive test means any he has symptoms. I bet he's out a few more days. Yeah, I thought. Well, when did he test positive? When was the exact day he tested? He had a rapid test positive Thursday and a PCR test positive Friday. I guess he's vaccinated, so maybe there's a different. Yeah, because he's vaccinated. Because coaches have to be vaccinated and yeah. he's boosted. Um, for him, it's not ten days. It's two. Ne- it's no symptoms and two negative, negative. PCRs okay. in twenty four hours. So if you okay. still, had, he would Pierce said he had a headache, right? So if he had, if he even had symptoms like on Saturday, he can't coach this game so Man, I, I don't know where he's him. at but uh the Pacers practice availability on Sundays via zoom not in person so I'm guessing that it's still uh it's still not going to be Rick Carlisle against the Warriors all right yeah. it's been a while since I talked to you Adam what do you feel like is not being discussed about this Pacers team if anything this season oh god <laughs> should we can <laughs> I can god. I needle you with one question about one question sure sure all right um the the Pritchard thing it's probably been discussed but I mean, it should he be concerned at all for his job? I mean, is, are we moving towards that? It felt like this, like right last year, it was kind of a, it was a bad year. I mean, he hired a bad coach and he made a mistake, and so he's like he was on, he was kind of on edge, right? He's got to kind of nail this next move, or it, it, he could be looking at not being an NBA president anymore, right? I mean, it's getting close. Uh, yeah, we remember we did our show this summer. Like, what does pressure on his job mean, right? Yeah. And 
that's what is kind of interesting to think about right now is if he had if it got to the point where Jay Michael's reporting like Kevin Pritchard is safe, that means there was a discussion about his job. I mean, whether he was safe or not, yeah. Yeah. So I think that to me, like I actually think he's done a better job than most fans. Like he's gotten a tough situation between Paul. Like right when he starts, Paul George is like, I don't want to be here. He nailed it. For three years he nailed this. Nailed it, right? Nailed it. And they were pretty good for a while after that. 2019 summer, awesome signings. Awesome signings that summer, right? They got screwed by COVID lowering the salary cap. So he has had a really tough hand with this franchise. That said, his draft history is a disaster. Three coaches in three years is very expensive for an owner that doesn't but like this draft pick might, might be decent. So maybe Duarte might, might be. Duarte is certainly a factor in the thoughts here, right? So I don't think that he's in trouble. But if he messes up some of these deals on the way out of this year, and I don't even know what they're considering, like it seems like one of the bigs in Levert are the two. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of to me will depend on how they handle that, and and what strategy they go with. Do they really think long term with Duarte? Do they kind of look shorter term? And if those trades end up looking bad, because that's been his thing, is he's a great trader or like a very strategic trader. If yeah. those end up bad, then maybe, but. I always have given him more grace because, one, I think he's done a better job than more, most give him credit for, and two, his hand has been a disaster. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wonder if he had been able to swing the Gordon Hayward move, how different his last yes. two years would have been. I mean, he he basically, like the Levert thing, while Levert has been sort of, I would say, kind of okay, right? It, not the best player of the team, but honestly, he took a player that probably had absolutely zero value and got a player who can start for the team. And that, like, on the surface, that's a pretty good thing because Oladipo ended up going to Houston and then ended up going to Miami for – Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley. Yeah. yeah. So like literally Oliva had absolutely zero value. It seemed like yeah. I think he got like a player, like a real asset. So like on that end, it's a pretty good move. It's just to me, he's got to nail the next trade he makes and probably the draft pick or the decision to either like mail in the last 20 games to get a better draft pick kind of thing. Right. Like if they decide to do that and then they end up winning the lottery, get the second, third pick or fourth, I guess fourth pick that could like kind of keep him alive for a little longer. But then if he misses that pick. That probably does it for him. If Duarte and Jackson are awesome, then his biggest stain is no longer the draft, and instead it's the Bjorkren year, which could have just completely changed like the trajectory of what's happened since he started. Because he yeah. hired Nate Bjorkren, and it was a, it was a disaster. Like no, and, and <laughs> no other word for it. The co- I think the whole COVID thing just sort of it really this team got especially hurt by it more than other teams. I mean, just because of the way I think the way they had hired Bjorkren was harder than it would have been to hire a normal coach, just because the whole process yeah. and then the yep. the whole cap thing it. definitely definitely. Definitely hindered them last year for sure. They had it prepped perfectly to wow, we got we got Brogdon and all these other good dudes. We were the four seed, like we're gonna come into this offseason and have the full MLE and space to resign all these dudes and then and we're like, get oh, Hayward. That was the thought. New yeah. coach get and Hayward. It, and then it becomes, oh crap, we we can't do anything. Like we can keep our own guys and that's it. That's like we can resign Justin Holiday and then we're done. We're like that's well, all that's we can less do. his problem and more of a not willing to pay the tax issue. Well that that wouldn't yeah. matter if it moves that much, but that's uh, underlying thing of this whole thing is the team doesn't want to pay the tax. This past summer, the only way they could have spent more money, like we talked about this, is they could have signed, re-signed McDermott, then they'd be in the tax, but that's literally the only way. Like, they, they're at the hard cap. There's nothing else they can do money. But if they had right? McDermott, the team would be better. I mean, that's that's, that's kind of the I sad agree. thing. They'd be pretty and they've been a horrible shooting team this year, right? Like it, it's, and McDermott it, was their best three-point shooter for three years. So Good, as, that, that was a great signing when he made that one. <laughs> That's true. That was a good. We thought that was terrible at the time. It turned out. We thought it was an overpay because, but then we realized you shooting you could never pay for shooting. Yeah, it turned out. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, they really needed this year. That could be something in their trades that they yeah. maybe not overvalue. Although they have been really reflexive. This front office has at times. So maybe they will, but they really need some shooting. So yeah. I think that 
maybe it's just because I give, again, more grace to him than others because I understand the CBA a little bit. But um, I don't think he should. Like, I don't think there's any way that anything he could do getting out of this current roster construction would get him fired unless it's a disaster. But it definitely could put him to the point where I think he's on the hot seat. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, I think she might even be in a little bit more of a hot seat right now than uh, you think. Just because I think he's got to nail the moves, right? So, like, if he misses up the moves, then he might be, like, moving on, especially because I guess they could go – I guess we'll see if Buchanan ends up going somewhere else. But, like, if they already have a guy they might want to make kind of in charge then. I mean, we could see kind of ownership. I don't know how much – right, Herb is getting older. It could go to his – it's going to go to his son eventually, I think it sounds like. So, that could cause some changes, too. Like, there's just a lot. The team's sort of in an inflection point, I think, a little bit right now. Yeah, Chad's been linked to, like – Every time there's an opening, I think I see his name linked to the job. It's yeah, some so. reporter. And yeah, Herb was specifically mentioned as finally being on board in the athletic piece, which like what what changed him? Did KP finally convince him or did he see the product and go, yeah. Kevin, this isn't working? Like that that's a different way of assessing his job security is if Kevin convinced him, that probably means Pritchard has a very secure job because he's got the power to do that. But if Herb saw them at nine and 16 and said, Kevin, what the hell? That's very different, right? So maybe the answer to that question is the crux of this whole decision. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, Herb is up there in age. I mean, he, he might not be in, kind of the guy in charge forever. Right. Yeah. Steve, Steve is uh, tweeting about the team a little more. So I think he's been. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> it seems obviously he's going to be the kind of the ownership when yeah. at least the, like the head of the, their group, whatever. Once sure looks like that way. It happens. I don't have anything else to say unless you do. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Fun. <laughs> always fun always fun uh, i gotta do my twice a month quota of adam friedman or more especially because around christmas time getting guests is hard but adam is always willing to talk I'm about so christmas and i work all throughout it <laughs> <laughs> thank you everybody for listening today to a little longer episode hope you enjoyed 45 minutes of babbling uh back tomorrow to talk post game warriors and some other general topics there's so much going on with this team i have i still have more angles written down on my phone and stuff i want to cover from the athletics rebuilding slash retooling piece so stick around for that thank you guys a ton for listening have a great day and we will see you tomorrow